So uh, we're going to move on now to uh, the sermon. There we are. We're going we're to start this series called Holding It Together When the World Is Falling Apart Around You. And, and I have to confess a couple of things. You know, one, when we came up with that title, the first thing that came to my mind was a t-shirt my mother used to have. And on the front of it, it said, I finally got it all together. And on the back, it says, and now I can't remember where I put it. <laughs> yeah, anybody there? Okay. So... And then uh, the other thing that, that hit me was crack cisterns, and, and in Texas we often talk about crack pots, and uh, you know use that phrase and all. But we're really we're going to talk about crack cisterns. Well, we may talk about crack pots a little bit, but but this is going to be based off of Jeremiah as we move through these coming weeks. And uh, I'm going to let uh, have a little introduction here for you to Jeremiah, and then I'm going to say a few words about him. The book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was an Israelite priest who lived and worked in Jerusalem during the final decades of the kingdom of southern Judah. He was called as a prophet to warn Israel about the severe consequences of breaking their covenant with God through their idolatry and injustice, and he even predicted that the empire of Babylon would come as God's servant to bring this judgment on Israel by destroying Jerusalem taking the people into exile. And sadly, his words became reality. Jeremiah lived through the siege and destruction of Jerusalem and witnessed the exile personally. Now, this book came into existence in a really interesting way. Chapter 36 tells us that after 20 years of Jeremiah's preaching in Jerusalem, God called him to collect all of his sermons and poems and essays and commit them to writing, which Jeremiah did by employing a scribe named Baruch, who wrote down and compiled all of this material into a scroll. Now, Baruch also gathered lots of stories about Jeremiah, and he linked all the pieces together. And so this is why the book reads like an anthology, a collection of collections. It's all been arranged to present this prophet as a messenger of God's justice and grace. So th- we've called this uh, holding it together when all the world's falling apart. And I hope you heard the part in there that Jeremiah, he begins his uh, ministry of prophecy uh, to the southern kingdom to in Jerusalem. Uh, and although he speaks this word to them, uh, they don't listen and, and Jerusalem falls, it's ransacked, uh, people are taken off into exile. And so he, he's preaching all through that period of time. And he's one of the people taken into exile at one point. So Jeremiah knows what this is all about. Uh, He's living through the world falling apart. And I want to help you understand in his time what that meant. Because the city of Jerusalem contained the temple, and the temple was the dwelling place of God. This is where God lived. And and in the time when Babylon came and sacked the city, the temple was destroyed and and ransacked. Everything was taken out of it. Uh, The people were taken away, so they couldn't come to the temple, which is the dwelling place of God, to worship. Uh, They weren't even in their hometown. And when they were taken into exile, a lot of times they were separated from their families and their friends when they were taken into exile. So, So in one fell swoop, these people lost their, their spiritual grounding, their, their faith, their religion. They, they lost their home. They lost their culture. They lost their family. They lost their friends. So when we say their world was falling apart, it's, it's really not an overstatement at all. And Jeremiah speaks God's word into this. Now, now you and I are not, hopefully never going to experience anything like that. But we have moments in our lives, don't we, when our world seems to be coming unglued. You know, those days when, you know, your job goes wrong, your family's going wrong, your kids are driving you crazy, or you're driving your cr- kids crazy, your friends are doing something. I mean, you know, when everything, it's kind of like everything that day goes wrong. And you feel like your world's falling apart. 
And into that kind of situation, Jeremiah speaks this word from God, which is both a word of judgment and a word of hope. And unfortunately today, the first word he's going to speak is the word of harsh criticism and judgment. And I hope that you will open your ears to hear it, because only upon hearing that can you receive the word of grace. Let's pray. Almighty God, we ask you to come and uh, as you speak these words to us, that you would open us up uh, to hear and receive them. Uh, Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to open with uh, God's uh, confrontation, if you will, to his people Israel. And and I want you to hear, uh, there's a little thing that happens when you're reading the prophets and and so uh, different pieces of scripture. uh, When people say this phrase, you know, this is what the Lord said, or this is what the Lord says, or this is the the word of the Lord. When they make those kind of references, what they're wanting you to understand, especially in the prophets, is this isn't Jeremiah telling you what he thinks God's saying. This is Jeremiah speaking the words that God has given him to say to you. He's God's mouthpiece, and you need to hear this as God's word coming directly into your life. So this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So God confronts his people in this time. And you know, having brought them across the desert and through the barrenness of that time into this rich land where they are, he confronts them because after that part of their history, they've come in and they've begun to worship the Canaanite gods of the area. Some of them have little God statues in their homes that they worship. Other than, of them are going to the temples of the other gods to worship. And even as they left the temple mount itself on the, on the roads leading out from that, there were shrines to other gods where some of them would stop and offer worship. And God says, why would you do this? Why would you leave the one who, is, who has brought you life and exchange that for these gods that aren't gods at all. I love this phrase, you know, why would they trade me the spring of living water and, and instead they dug their own cisterns, the broken ones that can't hold water. 
I want to remind you of the little of the, the imagery that we had when we walked through uh, Ezekiel and, and heard from him when we were doing deep and wide and this imagery of the, the river of life that flows out from the temple and the, the further out it goes, the wider it gets and the, and the deeper it gets and everywhere the river flows, everything will live. And this river of life that God is pouring out into the world and the, the imagery of that, this wonderful kind of river that goes out in the world and it's deep and it's wide and everything that comes to it receives life. And the people of Israel had traded that river of life for their own empty cisterns. Now, you've seen uh, cisterns in our place in the United States oftentimes that are above ground. And you may have, if you've been around some older areas, seen some that are sunk in the grounds. The reference here is to those that have been dug into the ground. And although some of the photos from archaeological sites will make it look like they're almost carved out of rock, the truth is what you're looking at there is a plaster kind of lining that was used to make them waterproof. This is one you can see the construction in it. It was dug into the ground. It would have had a wooden roof over it or some kind of a roof over it to, to hold the evaporation in, present uh, too much loss of water. But those stones that line the sides of it, it would have been covered with a plaster that made it waterproof. And if that plaster cracked, or as it did in this case, if it broke and came off of the sides, then the water would seep easily out through those stones and into the ground. And pretty soon you would just have a dry pit. And that's God's reference. Why, why would you trade this river of life that comes and brings life? Why trade that for, for this cistern that's run dry and barren and can give you nothing? My people, my people have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. And I, I want you to hold that image and think about, you know, trading life for, for you know, trying to do it on our own with these cisterns that aren't going to hold up, that aren't going to, you know, sustain you and give you life. And, and the question I want to ask you is, for what cracked cistern have you traded the river of life? For what cracked cistern have you traded the river of life? Now, I know some of you are sitting here this morning and you're going, what, Us? We're in church this morning. What are you talking about? Here we are. We came to worship, right? And I just want to remind you as you say that, that denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Okay? Because even the Israelites were going to the temple and offering worship. But then when they left the temple on their way home, they would stop off at these other shrines and offer worship to other gods. So, so let me ask you again, seriously, for what cracked cisterns have you traded the river of life? Where have you placed your salva hope for salvation, your hope for life, your promise for the future beside God? I, uh, I read an article here uh, a little while back. And it was uh, about replacing the primary with the secondary in our culture. And the author's contention was that as, as we devalue the things that are primary in our lives, we elevate the things that are secondary to a, to a level of importance that is greater than they should have. And in particular, when he was talking about religious faith, we've devalued religious faith in our culture. We've made it more of a, a hobby or a social gathering or a social club. And in its place, we've elevated our politics. 
and we've invested all of the religious fervor that used to be saved for our faith into our political positions. Now, I know you're sitting there going, really? Have you read the Post lately? Really? Absolutely. I've had someone come in my office in tears because their political position lost and explained to me that they're leaving the church. And I'm going, well, first off, we didn't have anything to do with that. But second, you, you know we do this every so often, right? But they had put all their hope, all their desire into that election instead of into God. And as we uh, uh, look forward here coming up into this coming election here, you all know it's coming up like in a month, right? You do know that's happening? Okay, I want to be sure you're... But, but as we come up into that, you know, I mean, it's going to be a great temptation to once again do the same thing. To take all of our, our hopes and dreams and place it on some election instead of into God. And we have other crack cisterns we like to look to, Right? We like to look to all of our investments. That's what's going to save us. That's what's going to keep us safe and secure, right? Have you looked at the market lately? I don't want to shock you. But, but we, you know, we, we, we do that instead of the turning to God. Or we put all of our, our demand for, for you know, feeling loved and appreciated and, and held up and all. We put all our demand for that on our spouse who really can't bear up under that demand. Or we put all of our hopes for the future on our children who really can't bear up under that demand. We take all of the things that should be primary and we begin to place them on things that are secondary and none of them can sustain that. And so instead of ending up with the river of life, we end up with a crack cistern. One of the things I love about the uh, recovery community is I love their brutal honesty. They, they, they've had to wrestle with who they really are, and they've gotten a hold of that and finally you know, really gotten honest about that. And, and they'll talk about something called the gift of desperation. You know, it's, it's that moment. It's that moment when you realize that your life is out of control and that you just can't keep going this way. Because it's only when you get to that point that things can begin to get better you know as long as you can keep it going as long as you can balance your addiction and your family and your job and you can keep it all going along and moving along fine you can fool yourself and say i've got it under control i've got this i've i'm in good shape i can manage this it's not until it gets out of control and you absolutely can't do it and it's all falling apart that you realize that something needs to change and so if you look at the first five steps of the 12-step program, and you'll see we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. We were powerless over it. Our lives had become unmanageable. We come to believe that a, a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, and some groups put that only a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, because we know how deceptive we can be. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And that's what opens the door for change to begin to happen. The people of Jerusalem 
would hear Jeremiah's words. They didn't have the gift of desperation yet. So they wouldn't listen. And Jerusalem would fall and be ransacked and the people taken off into exile. And it was only when they got in exile, when they had lost their spiritual home, when they had lost their city, when they didn't know where their family and their friends were, it was only when they hit that point that they would have the gift of desperation to listen to the word that Jeremiah would bring them. And then Jeremiah would speak a word of grace and a word of hope to them. So my friends, as we start this, this is the bad news week. There'll be good news later on. But I want you to know, until you, until you deal with this question, until you deal with this question, your ears really aren't going to be open to hear the good news. So I want to ask you again, for what cracked cisterns have you traded the river of life? And I want to leave you with one last word of hope. This is from 1 John. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's the crack cistern part. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. That is the river of life. Hold on. Be honest. Hear the word of the Lord. And maybe you can let go of those cracked cisterns and once again swim in the river of life. Let's pray. Mighty God, we confess to you that we are so capable of deceiving ourselves that we can come and go through the motions and think that we are in the river of life when really we're, we're, we're off to the side, always hedging our bets with all of these other gods in our lives. That we continually try to, to take those things that only you can provide and demand them from those around us. So open our eyes to see the cracked cisterns that we have begun to dig in the midst of our lives, the false gods that we have begun to worship, and call us back into the midst of the river of life that pours forth from your heart. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.